Okay, this is Jeff Cooper from Classic Christian Rock, and we're speaking to Ashley Cleveland today, and uh, we're really excited about this. Hi, Ashley. How are you doing? Hey, Jeff. I'm doing well. That's great. Uh, Tell us about your musical background, and what age did you start singing and playing? Well, my background is just that I was, I came of age, and, and by that I mean I really, you know, became a teenager in the early 70s. So I started coming of age musically in the late 60s and through the 70s, which in my mind was the greatest rock and roll music era of mm. all time. Yeah. And, and really... You know, it's because so much of the music that was made in that time frame is still thriving today. And there, you know, I'm not really aware of other eras of music where you can say that, but there are entire, you know, cable stations devoted to bands that were making music in that time frame and are, you know, and I, so I just had the benefit of turning on top 40 radio and you could hear anything from a Beatles song to a Rolling Stones song to Simon and Garfunkel to James Taylor and then all the soul singers, Stevie Wonder and Aretha Franklin, all on the same station. Mm -hmm. And then later you got into the Los Angeles explosion and you got Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young and... And and after that, the Eagles down the line. And so there was just one act after another, and they were so distinctive and so much themselves. And so I discovered music just like any other kid, listening to the radio and then buying records. And I began singing and playing when I was, I think I was right about to turn 16, and I um, got a guy at church to teach me five chords. I had a guitar, and I learned five chords, and I learned kind of five Neil Young songs to go with them. And um, and then by the next summer, I decided I was ready to play in clubs. Hmm. So, you know, it's that kind of hubris that comes with being a teenager worked in my favor because I was no more ready um you know, <laughs> than a monkey playing the guitar, and um, and yet I I was ignorant of that fact, and so I just was kind of brazen. I you know I rolled into I got a the following summer I actually began by I had a friend whose brother owned a restaurant in Knoxville Tennessee, and I talked to him. He actually was looking for entertainment, and I used that word incredibly loosely <laughs> during lunch. And he had a little, you know, a sort of fireplace that was this rectangle, this brick rectangle that jutted out from the wall. And and his idea of a stage was he just put a piece of plywood over the fireplace and a chair on top and a tip jar. (laughs) And that was my illustrious beginning. And a lot of times people would tip me to stop playing and take a break because I only knew five songs. So I just played the same five songs over and over again. And um, But, you know, it was a beginning, and I just kept going. And uh, 
I think for me personally, uh, my family was a very broken family. Uh, my parents were divorced. My, um, my life was divided between Northern California and East Tennessee, which were two unbelievably disparate, different places. And, um, so I was very much a, a kid who occupied the margins and I was lost and, and, you know, I, I was this weird combination of, of brokenhearted over the collapse of my family and, um, but also angry too. So that's, you know, I, I, and so I would get into a lot of trouble as a kid. Mm-hmm. I got into a lot of trouble and, um, music, you know, I got lots of attention, but it was all negative, but, and music was the first thing I discovered. And I, you know, I had no idea. I just knew when I sang along with the radio, I sounded pretty good. Yeah. That was about the extent of my awareness. But mm-hmm. when I discovered music, I had an immediate natural ability, even though I was terrible for a while. I knew that I had, there was something in me that understood it on a cell, probably a cellular level. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was a lifeline in in many ways. I really think that God gave me music as a lifeline to keep me alive because I wound up becoming an alcoholic and a drug addict. Mm -hmm. I just think he gave it to me to keep me alive until I could, you know, get help and get sober. Wow. I can relate to that. That's why I play the drums today. <laughs> One of the yeah. similar background. Okay, yeah. so uh, you talked a little bit what it was like for you growing up. I know you've written a book about your life uh, recently. Yeah, I have. And the name it's of the called book? Called Little, Bla- little Black Sheep. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I think all the, <clears throat> it is available on Amazon still, I think, yeah. in uh, ebook and as an audio book. I think the actual copies of the book sold out but yes um but it is absolutely the story of my family of recovering from severe addiction and of coming to faith so those are kind of the key points and music you know how i how my musical career sort of unfolded yeah um you played uh clubs and different venues and at university Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that (laughs) Uh, as far as university goes, I'll just tell you that I was registered there, mm-hmm. and I believe that I attended some classes, and, uh, you know, my grades were laughable, uh, I'm pretty sure. But but I spent a, the great thing that happened to me, I went to the University of Tennessee, mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's funny, because now I'm thinking about continuing my education all these years later, because I love learning, but... Oh. I was already sort of derailing with drugs and alcohol, but also I had fallen in love with music and it was all I cared about. Mm. And so the fact that, that, you know, my, the fact that I had this crippling illness, but also combined with the fact that I was disinterested in school, I just Mm. wanted to play music. So whatever energy I had to do something, positive went into music and i also at the university of tennessee i i met um pam tillis who um is from a country music dynasty her dad was mel tillis Mm -hmm. and um she you know she was from a family that 
traded in the music business. And back then, the music business was so foreign to, I mean, you know, they weren't making that many records and technology had not progressed to where anybody could bring it into their home and, and, you know, with very little training could record. I mean, that, that wasn't happening. So, you know, to me, the whole process of, 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 being an artist and making an album was a mystery to me. I did not have the slightest idea how that worked. And when I played, you know, the first few years of my musical life, all I did was play cover songs Mm -hmm. of people that I admired. And when I met Pam, that was, you know, she was the first person to give me the idea that I could be a songwriter Ah. That And we formed like a musical duo, and we were very popular around the University of Tennessee, and then we kind of became regionally popular around Tennessee, mm-hmm. and um, we both kind of dropped out of school. At the same time, although we went in different directions, uh, we both dropped out to pursue music. And then Pam later, several years later, was responsible for making it possible for me to move to Nashville because she gave me a place basically to live mm. when I moved here. Wow. Well, she she was uh, certainly a very popular country artist. I've uh, definitely uh, heard lots of her music. I wasn't aware of your involvement with her. That's just awesome. Yeah. yeah. We're actually doing a show together this week. Wow. So we still, oh. We're still good friends. Yeah. We're still... Um, we're still musical friends as well. Oh, that's and, great. You know, she's yeah. uh, she's an amazing human being. So I'm very fortunate to know her. Well, that's terrific. Glad to hear she's still going. You know, that's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. So with, with songwriting, how do you go about your writing your songs? Well, <laughs> I just I don't have the <clears throat> you know I live in a songwriter's town. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of in awe of the songwriters that get up and go to songwriting work every day. They are very disciplined and they, you know, they keep a work schedule and I've just never, I'm disciplined in other areas, but I've never, I've never had that kind of a discipline with songs. You know, every once in a while when I'm just sitting around playing guitar, which I do like to do, I'll hit on a piece of music or I'll just start humming a melody and it becomes a songwriting event for mm, me. Yeah. But usually when I sit down to write, it's because I I either have a title that I like, I've, you know, or a piece of music, or most often I think it's really there's something I want to write about. Yeah. And I'm not even sure how to go about it, but something <clears> has, captured my attention and i'd like to pursue it Mm. good well that's yeah um talking about your addiction again how did you deal with your addiction and what was the big turning point for you so the turning point was i got pregnant and i was not married and i was very ill yeah and um and i was not dealing with my addiction and i didn't deal with it then i just I did what they call 
white knuckling through my pregnancy, which means you just, you know, you do your level best mm-hmm. to not pick anything up. And, um, and I was mostly successful, but I had some horrible slips in my pregnancy. And I was really terrified that, you know, I was terrified about my baby's health. I was terrified to have this baby. I knew that I was nobody's candidate for motherhood. And yet, you know, the because I understood being an outsider, because I understood loneliness, um, I didn't know that it was in me. Once I was, once I could hear this little person's heartbeat i didn't know if it was in me to give her up i didn't know it was a she but whoever was in there Mm -hmm. and so i was so conflicted but um when i had my baby um i had to have a c-section and my i had separated from her father um we were no longer seeing each other and so my mother was actually my Lamaze part mm-hmm. partner, but the but my daughter was breech, and um, so they did a C-section. So I was laying in like a an I, uh, ICU recovery room, and it just happened. It was a small hospital in Northern California. It happened to be a day when no one else was in there, and you know, I was my mother had just come in and said that the that she was beautiful and that she was healthy and that all was well. And, you know, I was laying there thinking, how can that be true? I I so do not deserve any of that. Mm. I don't. um, And I think underneath everything, I'd kind of suspected that God would, you know, sort of use this event to, punish me for my out, outrageous um, mistakes and behavior and um, I you know which gives you a very clear idea that I had no idea who God was I just thought I thought he was you know uh, I thought he was waiting for me to perform well because I'd kind of grown up with a performing um, my parents were both sort of performance oriented and mm-hmm. um, not not entertainers but but they just they were very accomplished very beautiful they were both alcoholics and they but you know you just no matter what you presented well yeah. and um and at that point i was doing anything <clears throat> but present well and i just kind of assumed that god felt the same way mm. that just you have to present well and um you know, to and all I know to say is that I had an encounter with the Spirit of the Lord, and it was as if, you know, laying there in this room, just mm. completely bewildered by what is happening. And it was kind of like he pulled back a curtain that had not been there and leaned into me and said, I am not who you think I am. Mm. And I left that hospital knowing 
a couple of things. I left knowing that I had that there was a God, and that I didn't know who He was. Yeah. Whoever I thought He was, He was not that. Mm-hmm. And I left knowing that I was loved, mm-hmm. and I had no earthly idea why. And it was, you know, and I, I, I would love, you know, I always think, gosh, I, you know, it would be a wonderful thing to be able to say. And from there, I didn't look back. I went and got help, and I never, you know, that was it. But it was another two years before I was hospitalized for my mm-hmm. addiction. I, I relapsed shortly after I had the baby, and um, so it was. It was a rough road, but so when I finally came to the end of it, I was my family put me in a hospital and um, took care of my daughter until I was until I was discharged, and then I, um, you know, I, I managed to stay sober for seven years, but I would not involve myself in any kind of program of recovery I just wouldn't do it and um, I didn't like groups and I didn't think I needed it I thought well you know I'll I will I'm involved with the church I'll do that and I have friends that are sober I'll see them and I did all of that Mm -hmm. but um, but that was not what I needed and and as much as I love the church the church does not um, for the most part, the church has been ignorant on the illness of addiction yeah. and, and how, to, how it's treated. Yeah. And so I relapsed after my husband and I got married because I was terrified to do that, too. And I didn't know how to do that either, be married. So when I, when I began to recover from that and really when I came to the end of myself, is the thing that always must occur in some yes. form. It's not a permanent or final occurrence because self reemerges on an hourly, moment by moment basis. But, but when I came to the end of myself, I went into the twelve step rooms of traditional recovery, mm-hmm. and I have not looked back. And I and I found my life in in the, those rooms and and god used them to restore me and so today i've been sober almost 21 years wow so, beautiful yeah yeah it, yes it is it is it i is. should not by all rights jeff i should <laughs> not be alive wow. and yet here i am and that is a miracle wow. so. praise god it's a tough road. I know uh, my father was an alcoholic, so I know um, mm. what that's all about for and sure. You know, yes, oh, you do. I lived it. So it's yes, and and that's the thing. The <clears throat> whole family lived it. It is not yeah. an isolated no um, issue. It's a fam- it's family family disease, right? Yeah. It really is true. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You'd be happy to know my daughter uh, as a nurse. Sidetrack here. It doesn't have to be on the interview here. They can cut this out. Uh, she works on the downtown east side helping uh, addicts as we speak so let's uh oh i am so glad you know, to hear that she never saw her grandfather drinking but she knows the background and just there's it's in her a love for her for those people so that need help so mm-hmm. it's great okay back to this interview <laughs> okay um 
What bands have you played with? You mentioned Pam Tillis, of course. Uh, I see Steve Winwood, Rich Mullins, and Mark Hurd on the list. And even a movie soundtrack, Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> yes, it was years ago. I just they used a vocal on a little song yeah. that was in the um, soundtrack. Yeah. Well, I was never, you know, I never met Mark Hurd. No. But after, but my husband did, and and my husband had been talking to him, um, and we were big fans of his music. Yes. And when Mark died, uh, there was a wonderful compilation record made uh-huh. of his music by various artists and i was asked to be part of that oh, and wow. so we recorded um it's not your fault Great. so that was my and then and then i steve winwood and i mm-hmm. i would i would have been i would have paid steve to let me be in his <laughs> band but i was not in his band <laughs> but he did we were we, we were he has his he married a nashvillian and he he, they lived here on and off for a little while, and we got to be um, friendly acquaintances. And he's a lovely person, and came and sang a duet with me on a hymn record nice. that I made on a song called "I Need Thee Every Hour." Wow! And it was—he not only sang with me, he played the organ, which I, you know, to me, it's like oh, you get Steve Winwood in a studio <laughs> singing and playing the Hammond B3. With his twin Leslie, you've got an event. Oh my! So. That's, that's it. <laughs> it was. It was pretty incredible. Wow. I was in John Hyatt's band yeah. for a tour. I did. I made. Uh, I sang background on two records yep. for John, mm-hmm. and then he invited me to to be uh, an additional player in his band, The Goners. Yeah. And so. Um, uh, I went and did a tour for the Slow Turning record, which was a big record for him, and which it was an incredible experience because we got to do things like Saturday Night Live, and and, um, I did the Letterman show a couple of times Mm -hmm. with him, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, Arsenio Hall back when he was doing his late night show, and Jay Leno. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really, uh, it was an amazing experience. And he's, he was an artist that I so deeply admired. It was, it was a great, a great thing to be, get to be part of that. So that was right before I signed with Atlantic Records. I did that with John. Mm-hmm. And then with Rich Mullins, I was never really in Rich's band. I just did a very lengthy tour with Rich. Yeah. And as one of his opening acts, and and one of your fellow Canadians, um, Carolyn Aaron. Oh and yes, I yes, yeah. Open. Yeah. We we were the opening acts for for <clears throat> Rich's t- Brothers Keeper tour. So, mm-hmm. and I had sung on, on one of Rich's records, and I and we had been friends. I, he was somebody that I met shortly after I moved here, and I loved him for his. You know, he was crazy, but he, mm-hmm. his artistry was so true, yeah. and he was a true human being. Yeah. I mean, he was open about his upside and his downside, and um, he just was, uh, you know, I so identified with him, and we were we were big buds, and uh, and I love 
that I got to spend that time touring with him. Although touring is not, you're not really spending a lot of time with the person sometimes, especially the star, because they've got a lot of responsibilities. But yeah. I got to be around him and I got to, you know, soak in, in those songs. And, and that, he was, he had the, the Ragamuffins, the band, uh, touring with him, and that was absolutely his finest hour, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. He, that was a fantastic <clears throat> band, and I loved those guys. And the whole thing was, you know, it was brutal in some ways, because yeah. Rich's touring was as unconventional as he was. Yeah. So we know, we didn't have a tour bus. We all had to drive vans. <laughs> and so it was like it was boot camp touring. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but in other ways, it was totally magical. So. Yeah. Yeah. He marched to his own drummer, too, did he not? A little bit. Oh, in every possible <laughs> way. I mean, he did it deliberately. Uh, so no, I think uh, yeah. he kind of pushed the envelope. Yeah, yeah that's good for him. Yeah, we miss him. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So tell us maybe you, um, a couple of your concerts, anything that stands out for you over the years? Any? Oh, concerts. That, well, you know, I, Cornerstone was always a favorite of mine. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I never really fit into the Christian music industry. I never... I'm one of those people that really was never that well received by the Christian industry. Um, and once I started writing songs about my faith, I was no longer well received in the secular music industry. But mm. just in terms of belonging, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to say I was ill received, but I I didn't belong to either one. Right. But I could go in, but I traded in both of them. Sure. So I kind of, you know, I'm an artist that goes everywhere and belongs nowhere. <laughs> and so, but at Cornerstone, that, I loved that. Yeah. And that, you know, that kind of felt authentically true to, to me. And I think my husband, Kenny, felt the same way. We just really, we played Cornerstone quite a bit over the years in its heyday, and we really, mm. and we were there for the very last Cornerstone, and we we just really loved it and and um, looked forward to it, and I I think a lot of artists. Yeah. So that was that was <clears throat> one highlight. I did a tour of Canada mm -hmm. with um, Bus Named Desire. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, my first record, Big Town, had done really well in Canada. So yeah. we ended up starting in Ottawa and going all the way to Vancouver uh -huh. uh, for Bus and playing great venues like small theaters mm -hmm. and big clubs and. That is stands out in my mind is one of my favorite. The audiences were fantastic. The venues were great. It, that was just a wonderful experience for me. And um, you know, uh, Austin City Limits Festival. Yeah. I did that actually a few years ago, a mm -hmm. couple of times. And the second time it kind of got rained out, but the first time was just magic. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So there's all kinds of, um, you know, these days I end up, um, I still play concerts yeah. for sure, but, but I also get <clears> booked 
you know, I'll, I'll go, sometimes I'll go do music and even, and I speak too. I speak about addiction recovery. I speak about, you know, sometimes I talk about in inhabiting our stories because I've, you know, I do inhabit mine and because I've written this Mm -hmm. memoir and, um, but so the upshot of that is sometimes I'll go play conferences where I have a couple of different hats I wear. Mm-hmm. And so there's a retreat center in um, in the Texas Hill Country called Laity Lodge. And, and, my, and my husband, Kenny, and I have been going there for now, I think it's 15 years. Oh. And it, that changed our lives. Yeah. He was baptized there. And it's a very uncommon place like no other and we we have we loved that yeah. too so things like that that have shaped <clears throat> me and 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 my family members stand out to me as well that's wonderful do you remember uh five years ago coming up here uh, to bc for a blues fest yeah, yes I, that that was a great experience yeah. i did that Two or three times. Yeah, the last one you were here for, I was at that one. I think you had a midnight jam or a late night jam, and was it uh, was Larry Howard in on that? And um, yes, he was. I think I think Daryl was here. Was Daryl Mansfield up for that one? Yes, that's right. Daryl was there, and that was really fun. My only complaint about that is is that my late night days seem to be behind. (laughs) Well, that was it for me too. I like I like a seven thirty time slot, but but it was awesome. I had a great. That all the other artists were wonderful, and I that was a great crowd too. Everybody, you know, because you really, I mean, you're you're pretty much hopefully. Any anybody that that performs on a regular basis, you have to get to a place where you can you can deliver regardless of who you're delivering yeah, to. Yeah. But in truth, the the a show is only going to be as good as both the performer and the audience. That's right. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because it is so much of a my, my the vocal coach I I have that I love he says it's it's a conversation mm-hmm. and he's right about that yeah. and but it is absolutely an interaction and so I I think things that I tend to remember the most vividly are you know encounters with audiences that are just you know we're there. They give you as much as you give them, yeah. and and it's just a, a real exchange. Yeah. I thought you'd remember that one. It was a it was a great night. Uh, I just love those impromptu, and nobody really knew what they were going to play. I don't know. Do you do you set up what song no. you're going to do now? You just hey, do you know this? Do you know that? Uh, the following yeah. following year was uh, Glenn Kaiser band with Phil Keggy. But they didn't have a clue. Oh. They didn't have a clue what they were. They just saw let's play. And it was you thought they'd rehearsed it. Yeah. It was so good. But I mean, everybody knows, say Crossroads or something. So they threw it out right. there. It was great stuff, you know. But <laughs> nothing. Yeah, nothing and better. Phil kind of specializes in that kind of impromptu. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where he shines. Uh, well, yes. he shines in a lot of ways, but. But I just love that. And he, you know, and I think, too, you kind of don't know what you're doing. But most of us, especially those of us that came up in the same era, give or take, 
we were trained by those songs. We know those. That's I mean, right. you know, it's like we do know them. I still, you know, for the most part, there are, there are I've got a songbook in my head where I know all the words mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, it, and so it's really fun to sort of spontaneously pull that out and, and, and run it up the flagpole yeah. and see what happens. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, my dad, it used to be, okay, everybody, sing, uh, Irish Hires are smiling, let's go. With us, it was, okay, Mustang Sally, everybody, and whatever. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's right, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, how did the book come about? I mean, uh, did you just say, oh, I'm going to write a book, or did something lead oh, up to gosh, that? Oh, gosh, no. Yes, I, at this place in Texas that I that I told you about Lady Lodge there was a woman there who was a poet and a songwriter and not a songwriter she write uh, she was a playwright and she was a poet playwright and um and so and an educator and so she and and just an extraordinary person and we just ended up in the at the retreat center you know, repeatedly at, at the same retreats, and um, she had heard. You know, I I don't know what I, I think I might have been writing mm-hmm. essays for magazines, uh. but I never. I'm a huge reader. I'm a. I feel I'm kind of a snobby reader. I think <laughs> I have great taste in books, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know, I don't think I would have ever come up with the idea to write a book by myself, Jeff. Mm. I just think that I would have, uh, you know, I would have defeated myself before I ever, <laughs> you know, got started with who do you think you are, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it, but she heard some of my essays, and she had also, you know, I tell a good bit of my story, you know, on stage, yeah. but also in a retreat setting where you tend to be more open, where your hearts are more open, you know, I was just a little more transparent about my own story, and she she just came up to me one day and said, you know, these little <laughs> essays <laughs> yeah. of yours are all well and good, but you need to quit fooling around and write your story. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. And she said, oh, yes, <clears throat> you will. She said, you will do it because it's time. Yeah. And that's all she said, but then... I kept running into her, and she, every time I saw this woman, she would come up to me and say, how's that book coming? And I'd say, what are you talking about? There is no book. There will never be a book. Yeah. And she said, oh, yes, there will. <laughs> time. Yeah. And I think after a couple of years of me kind of stonewalling her, I thought to myself, you know, why don't you try and write a chapter, and if it if it stinks, <laughs> nobody has to know about it. <laughs> and and that day, the first sentence of the book kind of fell into my lap when I was on a walk, and I thought, well, okay, I'm going to start with this sentence and see where it takes me. And yeah. about a year and a half later, I had a book. That's wonderful. And book number two? Yeah, so it's, excuse book me? Book number two is on the way, or you're writing, starting one? Yes, yeah. I have actually, I've written a book, and, which is real different. It's about my mom, uh-huh. and it's about me too, yeah. but um, but uh, 
I actually, it's a series of, it is a series of essays. Mm-hmm. It's, it's called 85 Things I Like About You, and it's 85 short essays. Wow. And um, she's quite a character and very hilarious. And she, and so it, the topics just range all over the map, but I launched excerpts from the book, which are just, I've launched mm-hmm. essays from the book as of Mother's Day. Yeah, so yeah. if anybody's interested in checking it out, mm-hmm. they can go to ashleycleveland.com and there's a blog setting at the website. Mm-hmm. And they, if they go to that space, they can read the intro and see what the book's about and read an essay. And if they if they like it, they're very funny. Yeah. Um, if they like it, they can subscribe <clears throat> where it's free. Yeah. You know, you just you sign up, and um, every week a new essay gets sent to well, you. You might make a reader or the of me link. Now. I'm not sure how <laughs> yeah. my webmaster does it, yeah. but she's a genius. Awesome. So she does it well, yes. whatever she does. Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, I'm not quite done with the book yet, mm-hmm. and hopefully. Um, when I am done, I'll get it published, and um, it's, it, it's, it was really fun. Um, I like, uh, it's been a great, my mother's 85 now, so it's been a wow. great way to wind down her life, mm-hmm. although she, she would be the first to assure you she's still kicking. <laughs> um, yeah. But, so that's, <clears throat> that's been really fun. I've seen on Facebook a few uh, excerpts, I think, or some reference to that. So, with pictures of you yes. and your mom as well, so people can yeah, that up. and little videos. Yeah, yeah if they want to follow, mm-hmm. they can follow on Instagram, yeah. which is at Ashley Cleveland Music, mm-hmm. or um, Facebook, yeah, the, which is Ashley Cleveland. Yeah, the wonderful Facebook, <laughs> which is good for some things. That's one of the things it's good for anyway. It is good for some yeah, things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we promo the station quite a bit on there. So, Okay, and oh, that's great. I see, I think I got this right, you have a documentary you're working on? Is that a, vi- a well, video? Well, I'm not working Your on it. Your husband is? It is a feature-length film made by a filmmaker in Los Angeles, ah. and it just got, um, it's, uh, it's finished. It's called Who's the Girl? And it just got, I think it's going to be in the Knoxville Film Festival this fall. Wow. And there are four companies interested in distributing it. So mm-hmm. it's still, it's finished. It is not released yet, but um, it is on the way. Get that on, get so that on Netflix or something, eh? Well, Netflix is one of the companies Good. interested, Good. so there's, Good. you know, we'll see what happens. That would be fantastic. I mean, the weird thing about that is that it's the that it's I don't have, you know, I'm in it. It's about me. Mm-hmm. It everybody interviewed in it is somebody connected with me, but I don't own it. Yeah. I don't control it. I don't have anything. I don't have any say about. You know how it's what happens with it. So I just kind of wait to hear from the filmmaker. Yeah. He, you know, this is his industry, and mm-hmm. he understands it and is very savvy about all that. But it's strange, yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, you know, because usually uh, on every <clears throat> other creative venture, yeah. 
it's kind of my baby, yeah. but um, not this one. Well, hope and pray it's a good one, right? <laughs> I well, the film itself is great. Yeah. I've seen that, and they were, you know, they were very quick. If they said anything you want changed, we'll change. Oh, there you so go. So it's not that. That's good. It's how it's it's what's done. You know, it's like I just am kind of is in the dark as anybody mm-hmm. about you know the process of putting it out there. Yeah. So. But that's probably good because I don't know how to do that anyway. No, no. That's not my world. <laughs> no. You just keep making the music and writing books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. yeah. And you're happy and you get, you've got to do what you love. You continue to do what you love and you're going to keep on doing it. Mm-hmm. That's the that's what what else can you ask for? Right? <laughs> you cannot ask for a sim- anything else. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm so fortunate to have had a musical career i they're very difficult to come by in this day and age and i i'm so grateful Mm -hmm. you know i just think man what a thing and whatever you know i think for all of us our careers rarely you know look like what we think they're going to look like Mm -hmm. but mine's been pretty great so I'm very thankful, and and um, anything that else, anything else, I'm 61 yeah. now, so anything else that happens is gravy. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have you beat by one year. <laughs> 62. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Somebody's Somebody older, older than Mr. me. <laughs> Mr. Bill is also 62, so we're two couple old guys. That's awesome. Yeah. awesome. Two of your songs that I, at least I, well, I play the most, and I know that I hear them a lot. Uh, one is Give Me Shelter. Tell us about that. Mm-hmm. I've heard different little stories around it. So you tell me, how on earth did that come about, that you were performing a Rolling Stones song live on stage at a, a festival, I think? Uh, give me shelter. Well, it was actually at a at a large club in Nashville, okay. Tennessee, called the Wild Horse Saloon. Yeah. And it was back, there was a period of time when everybody and their brother were doing tribute records. Yeah. And so there was a country music tribute to the Rolling Stones, which consisted of country artists um, doing various Rolling Stones songs. And I, honestly, I had nothing to do with that record. I didn't even sing background on no. it. But my husband, Kenny, worked on it. Uh-huh. But then the, the I guess the record was doing fairly well. And so country music television... CMT decided to do a t- television special with some of these the recorded performances done live, yeah. and so I was hired as a background vocalist in the live band. And Kenny and and my friend Michael Rhodes, who was playing bass with us at the time, they were both hired to be in the backup band, mm-hmm. and so. We went, you know, just, and some people use their own bands, but then, so it was just a day of filming. And um, at the very last minute, one of the artists was not able to come. And so the director had a hole in the show, and he had worked with me years prior on another series called The Road mm-hmm. and directed uh, an episode of The Road that, that featured me. And he came up to me and just said, hey, we're short somebody. 
we need to fill a slot. You want to sing a song? And, you know, and he knew, I, I mean, I'm a hardcore mm-hmm. Stones yeah, fan. Yeah. Always have been. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> yeah, and yeah. I just thought, and I said, sure. But, you know, I didn't, and he goes, well, you can, you know, you can pick out a Stone song and it doesn't have to be a song that was on the record. Uh-huh. I mean, it, were, it was an incredible opportunity yeah. because they didn't put any restrictions on, on me. They just said, okay, find a song that that isn't somebody else isn't doing. <clears throat> and, and so I said, well, you know, I've always, I've always loved Give Me Shelter, but I've never done it. Yeah. And he, and so they called, they went and sent a runner to Tower Records at the time, got a copy of the record. They called um, and got a license mm-hmm. for the song from the Stones Publishing Company. And we rehearsed the song one time. Oh, wow. And then what you hear on the record and what you see on the video is right. the second time we ever played You're kidding it. me. <laughs> no, and then at the end of the show, yeah. he said that I could have the <clears throat> recording, and really? it was just so. Un- yes, <laughs> they gave me the recording, and they gave me the video that went with it, oh and no charge. And at the time, we were just starting to think about. I had toured with Amy Grant, yeah. and I and they recorded all of the. Um, concerts and i so i had all this live footage and we were just starting to think about well what if we put out a live record and um so when they when they did that it was like oh my gosh we can put this on the live record and we have a video and um and the record which we did Mm -hmm. and called the record you are there and it went on to win a grammy so it was was just one of those things i couldn't have I couldn't have come up no, with that plan. I couldn't have. <laughs> but when it fell into place, yeah. it was just, it was, it was pretty wonderful. That's great. Well, it's our favorite version of the song. Mr. Bill and I, we play, Thank we you. just love it, you know. I, I had got the story, I had the story wrong that you were going to do another Stone song and didn't like it, so you says we want to do Gimme Shelter. Now we got the story straight. That is a, yeah, that's, that's a better story. story. It's the true one. Well, it's the truth, man. It's it really that is how it went down. So I have, I'm really, I'm so thankful. My favorite, one of my favorites, is I'm not made that way. Or is that was yeah mm-hmm. I'm not made that way. I always uh, introduce it as the opposite of Lady Gaga's song, which was, was made that way or something. Uh, it, it's a it's yes. a rocking song. Tell us a little bit about that one. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was just I I was making Bus Name Desire and Kenny actually I had nothing to do with that song. Kenny had written it with. Um, Ah, my friend Wally Wilson, I think, and maybe another guy named Gary Nicholson. Uh-huh. And it, I just thought it was a fantastic song. And we needed something up-tempo. Yeah. So we decided to, to try that. But, um, it, you know, and, and, and it kind of, it was so rocking that it almost didn't fit the, I mean, <laughs> the only complaint about yeah. it was this, this, this should be with other songs like uh-huh. it on a different record, but, um, but, uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, I've always loved singing rock and roll. I, and I always 
Will loved singing rock and roll, so it was really fun to do something so, you know, kind of intense. Well, all your songs fit our format. We play, I think we play every play every song that we have of yours, but that one especially, that one especially gets played for the obvious reasons, so that's good. Another song you did recently on Phil Cakey's album, we play quite a bit, uh, how did you get to be singing with Phil Cakey on that, his newest album, All at Once? Well, we wrote that song. So Phil and I got together to write yeah. and and wrote a song called Ezekiel. And, 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 and it just happened so fast. Yeah. And I had I'd had the idea to do it, and Phil really liked it. And he came up with some musical ideas. And then he said, oh, I love this. Let's go to my house and demo it. Mm-hmm. And we did, and the demo, you know, it's in just a matter of an hour or so, we had this demo, and, and Phil said, this sounds like a record to yeah. me. And so, and it became his record. Wow. But, you know, I went home and thought, you know, I, I'm kind of hearing this a little bit differently, and I just kind of yeah. fooled around with it, and I wanted to change the words and just the structure a little bit and i t- i called yeah. and i told him that and he goes you know what i love what we've already got mm-hmm. so go do another song yeah. do it do an ezekiel too mm-hmm. and so ezekiel is on phil's record yes. and then i have a new record yes. one more song with ezekiel too on yeah. it and they're they're they have similarities, but they're two very different songs. Aha, I thought so. <laughs> about the same topic. Yeah. And it's really because, you know, Phil just loved that version, and then I just wanted to do something slightly different. But it was great because when we had our record, record release party back in February, mm-hmm. Phil came down and played it with us. Oh, and great. so we, we share the song. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Well, we share both songs, yeah. so we're co-writers on each one. Yeah. And he said, you know, Phil's such a, uh, uh, he's so musical, and he goes, it'll be great. It'll be like Revelation <laughs> 9. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But okay. Oh, boy. So he did a Kickstarter as well as you. You did one more song as a Kickstarter. I was in on that. Loved it. I think Mr. Bill was your first. Uh, he oh, was your first uh, subscriber, thanks. by the way. He takes claim to oh that. Oh, my God. Our station manager. Thank you so much. I, we just love the album. Well, please tell him. Yes. You know, my uh, we had not planned to do a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end of making the record, we had trouble finding the right mixer. We had all these great mixers, but it just wasn't sounding the way that we kind of envisioned it. And you still have to pay them regardless. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're doing their job. And so Kenny at one point said, I have spent way too much money. I'm doing a Kickstarter campaign and I'd never done one. I didn't know anything about it. And I said, no, you can't. I'm not asking my fans for, to be part of that. And he goes, well, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. I'll do yeah. it. And he, and I didn't. It was really his baby. Yeah. And I just thought this is going to be the biggest failure. <laughs> and it was the biggest success. Yes. I could not believe it. And here's what's really interesting about Kickstarters that I did not know until we, until, well, until he did this, 
is that they, it is, it's like my, the woman that does my art direction on my record said, it's the new marketing yeah. campaign. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is all your fans are galvanized by getting to be, and it's not something for nothing. I no. mean, everybody gets something for being part of it, but, but more than that, they like to be part That's of right. it. And I didn't realize that. I mean, I just did not know. I just thought it was just one more thing of having your hand out saying, help me, help me. And, <laughs> but it, they didn't feel that no. way. And it was, um, it was the most wonderful launch. It's the best record. And, you yes. know, it's the best record launch. Mm-hmm. The last l- genuine launch I had was with God, They'll Never Change. Yeah. And that was on a... That was a large independent label, and this was a much better, more effective launch. Terrific. Just Kenny's Kickstarter campaign. So I learned a really valuable lesson through that whole experience that, um, you know, it just goes to show you, it's that whole thing of, you know, contempt prior to Mm -hmm. investigation. You rob yourself of so much when you behave that way yeah. so <laughs> we look forward to the next one <laughs> it was a great thank great you album. well I, you know it was really fun yes. it's fun to make thank you so much for being part of it and we're we're just really thrilled with how things have gone yeah, so. yeah. well so are we uh do you have one or two other songs on there that are favorites of yours or are they all favorites like it's hard to pick your favorite baby isn't it well, I love Lily Grown Wild. Mm-hmm. It sounds like an old Faces rock right. and roll song. Yes. And um, I love one more song because it's a true story about my mom yeah. and my Aunt Betsy. Yeah. I love, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, you don't make a record and say, well, I like this song, but I don't like this no, one. No, you, you know, never you, do you, that. They're all no. kind of they're all, It's really true. Yes. I don't think there's fillers with Kickstarters. That's the difference, too, again. With a, no, with a label, no, they try you to want throw, to make yeah, it count. Yeah. You want to put out your best. You've got some time, and the fans are patient, yeah. right? And usually, it, yeah, I think it's yeah. less time, but it's because we're all part of it, and we're it's almost like we're helping, we're asking how you're doing, uh, getting updates on it. With record companies, we sit and wait and hope the album was okay, and maybe find two songs we liked on an album or something like that. Not with your albums, by the way, right. but <laughs> with some. But uh, yeah, and in this generation with the iTunes and the MP3s and all the downloading, it's. I think this has brought life to the album again. The Kickstarter idea. It's brought life to album concept, and. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying, yeah. and I I agree. It's so, a whole package. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for this. I'm so glad we finally got things going on this. This was one of those. Thank <laughs> you for your patience. <laughs> this took as long as a Kickstarter to get together. Uh, it really did. <laughs> Technology. It, but not through no fault of yours. No. It was totally on it's, me. No, so. no, there's no there's no fault. Just uh, just uh, responsibility. But anyway, it's all good, and we're so happy to have you and on the program today. Uh, this will likely be a two-parter for sure because, uh, yeah, so it'll take a few weeks to put together uh, with music, and we'll get back to you. I'll send you a copy of it. 
uh, probably the raw one Great. as well. Wonderful. I'll send you the raw one right away because I can, but then I'll send you the one with uh, music included and, and comments and things mm-hmm. uh, just for your files. Great. Okay? So okay. I'll let you go. Thank and you so I, much. Thank you so much. We love you. And uh, God bless you for everything you've done. And uh, we'll just keep listening. And uh, you've made a reader out of me, by the way. So it's a good thing, too. So thank you for that oh that's yeah. awesome so i can't wait to get through all right well tell bill thank I will. you too okay. so much uh, and um and i'll look forward to hearing from okay. you okay god bless you and i'll I'll talk to you again thanks so much ashley all right, all right. take care take Jeff. care bye-bye